On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I share with you some of the goals I have for between now and the end of the year. And I discuss the idea that if you design your life in a certain way, you can become luckier. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 170 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is a place where I share the lessons I wish I knew sooner. Think of this as me learning out loud, sometimes on my own, and sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that is guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. And we're back for the second time in two weeks, which is rare. It has been forever since I've done two episodes back to back. I actually can't remember the last time I did it, but I mean what I said last week, which is that for the next 150 days or like 143 days now, as it will be by the time this podcast comes out, I just want to try that little bit more this year. And by the way, that doesn't just mean content, but it kind of does mean content. It means everything. I I feel that last week's episode was me thinking out loud around the idea that it's so easy to get lost within a year. I did it last year. I sat in that hotel room in Dublin and I realized that although I felt as though I had been busy and productive for the whole year, I kind of zoomed out and looked at the year as a whole and I was like, shit, I just got lost in the year. I was so busy being busy that I didn't really focus in intently enough on my goals and what the year meant and what I wanted to get done and where it was going. I feel fortunate that I've caught that idea early enough this year. Right, we're we're not even halfway through August. And there's still a long way to go this year. And I've had a chance to just kind of step back, review where the year was going, review what I've been doing well, what I've perhaps been neglecting, and just have a, I guess, an impromptu review of the year because at the halfway point of the year, I did spend a little bit of time reviewing, planning, but a whole half of a year, it just feels long. And I know that it's only been a month since then, but when that 150 days until the end of the year number popped up, I was like, shit, like that's going to go so quickly. And so that doubling down does mean content. Sure. Like you would have noticed if you follow me anywhere that, I mean, for a start, this podcast is, is trying to be more consistent again, which is good. Hope you're enjoying it. But then way more short form content, way more podcasts, both these and guest episodes, way more YouTube videos. I think I found a nice little workflow and type of video that I can bang out far more frequently on YouTube. I'm aiming for two a week for as long as I can. I think that will definitely have happened in the week just past. By the time you listen to this, it will also definitely happen in the week coming. After that, there's a few meetings and this and that. So I really need to stress test it, but way more YouTube videos. So yes, it means content, but it also means like in the business, for example, way more time working on sales, right? Inventing the time to make sure that the business continues to grow into next year and has a really, really strong foundation in what will probably be a tricky economy next year. It means frankly, just more hours working when I have the energy to, because sometimes I reach the end of my to-do list and I'm like, well, (laughs) that's that. But then I'll sit there for, you know, four hours with nothing to do. And there's nothing wrong with that per se, but there are goals to be hit this year. So may as well work if I have nothing better to do and still have the energy to do it. 
it means silly things like reading more. I've really neglected reading for the past few years and I've been enjoying just getting back into it. I'm reading a really random book about money that I've had on Kindle for maybe four years now and never read. And I just picked up my iPad the other day, charged it because it hasn't been on in like half a year. Um, picked it up, opened Kindle and it was open from like whenever I'd last opened the Kindle app on the iPad. And so I started reading that. That was nice. Um, it means going to the gym more been doing that really consistently it means more runs been doing that really consistently it means starting more conversations just speaking to more people trying to open more doors and i guess what this all comes down to and i i was thinking of this idea when i made my little goals for the final 150 days of this year list which i did last week is that before the end of the year i just want to create more luck if you think about what luck really is Actually, let's step back a bit. And this, this might sound a bit abstract, not least because I'm thinking out loud. So I hope that I can bring this one home and make it make sense. There are kind of two types of luck, right? There is the, I'm going to call it like luck in the universe. I don't believe in that nonsense, but where like something really spontaneous, really serendipitous happens and you're like, whoa, I did not see that coming, right? You, you find 50 pounds on the street, you bump into someone whilst waiting for a bus that you marry you i don't know like you get a phone call and your great aunt has passed away and left you a million pounds these kind of luck are like you can't write it but then i think that there is a second type of luck which is luck that you can design for you can design your life in such a way to increase your luck and you do that by increasing the reps you take right by the way, if you can hear Milo barking in the background, he is on an absolute mad one right now. I'm recording from home and Milo is outside the door barking very loudly. I'm hoping this microphone doesn't pick him up too badly, but if that's what you can hear, then I apologize. So this second type of luck, the luck that you design for, kind of comes down to the, the number of reps you take, right? The number of times you do a thing which is likely to make you lucky. That is essentially the guiding philosophy that I have for the rest of this year. Because actually, let's, let's drill into some of those examples I just used, right? Because none of those examples can reliably rely on the first kind of luck, right? You can't predict when you're going to just by chance be lucky, but you can really design your life to take advantage of that second kind of luck. And in everything I just listed, I'm taking steps to make the end of this year more, in quote marks, lucky, right? So for example, more short form content means more videos published. More videos published means more strangers watching the videos. More strangers watching the videos in theory means, yes, things like more subscribers, more engagement, this and that. But it also means more strangers who are individuals who have their own lives coming across my content in such a way that might form a connection. It might unlock an opportunity. It might make somebody, you know, remember me in years to come when they need something that relates to my knowledge base, what I do, right? Same with podcast episodes. More podcast episodes means more opportunities to have people listen and connect in such a way which may create what one day will be perceived as luck. The same with the YouTube videos, the same with all of the content. More sales emails, right? So I spend two hours a day, every day now, working directly on Pat to Say. It was something that I never used to get involved with, but something that actually I enjoy. It's a lot of fun and it invents luck, right? The number of sales conversations we've had just over the past couple of weeks with incredible businesses, with really interesting brands that, you know, one day when we're working with them, people will be like, oh, they're so lucky. They work with XYZ. And it's like, sure, we're lucky in the sense that we get to do it. But we created the, the conditions 
to make that luck possible. More reading, again, it's one of those ones where it's like, you don't know what you're going to need to know until you need it, right? You don't know when knowledge will be useful. It's like just-in-time learning versus just-in-case learning. And lots of reading is just-in-case learning, right? It's creating this really broad range of shallow knowledge, broad and shallow knowledge that allows you to tap into more conversations, to connect with more people, to understand more concepts and being able to connect with people and understand concepts when it comes to a, you know, a decade of life, for example, means far more opportunities. It means far more luck. If you overhear a conversation and you've once read a book about that topic, if you're speaking to somebody in a bar and you actually know their industry well, or there's a concept you can share that will change their paradigm on something, that's essentially creating luck, right? How lucky is it that we were having this conversation with this guy and he works in this industry and we knew this about it so we could do X, Y, Z. From the outside looking in, lucky. From the inside, creating luck. And then also just things like going to the gym or uh, going for more runs. Like, I'll be completely honest with you, my fitness goals for the next couple of years before I'm 30 are essentially aesthetic based, not functional. In as much as like, I really don't fucking care how much I can squat don't care. I really don't care how fast I can run a 5k, although I have a number in mind that I'd like to push through, like it doesn't actually benefit me. Whereas, and this might be controversial, I believe that looking a certain way makes you more lucky, right? And there's, there's huge amounts of data. The whole imbalance on Tinder, for example, about how the top 20% of men get 80% of right swipes. Like, is that luck or can you design for it? Because it kind of sounds to me like even really trivial things like swipes on Tinder, which seem lucky, which seem serendipitous, can be designed for. And then that last example I use, starting more conversations, the more people you speak to, the more opportunities you explore, the more, I guess, networking, although I hate networking, you do, the luckier you become. I look at people like Peter Watson, for example. He has a really big network. He knows lots of people. He's always incredibly helpful and kind to everybody he interacts with. I see it online. I've seen it in the real world. He has a big network. And also he has lots of opportunities, right? You look at his, his business portfolio, the things he's doing out in Dubai, the brands he has back here in the UK, the partnerships he's had in the past with people like Tim Lovejoy. Somebody who doesn't know the work he puts in would look at him and be like, wow, he's so lucky. And it's like, cool, might, might look lucky, but guess who designed that luck? He designed it, right? And so as I was making this list, I came back to this idea, which I first heard maybe four years ago on a train whilst listening to Modern Wisdom. And I know it was about four years ago because I didn't yet drive. And that's why I was on this train and I was on my way to Wales from Paddington Station. And the train was just pulling out of Paddington Station. I was listening to George McGill on the Modern Wisdom podcast. And he spoke about this idea of the luck razor, which is essentially that if you're presented with two options and you're not sure which one to do, you should pursue the option which is most likely to give you luck. And the example he uses is something like he received a text one night inviting him out for drinks and he was going to stay at home all night and watch Netflix. And so the two choices that he had in that situation were, number one, stay at home on his own, watch Netflix, be comfortable, but generate zero new luck from that, right? No new opportunities come from sitting in your house on your own, secluding yourself and watching a film. Or go for the drinks, which is a little bit more difficult, right? Particularly if it's with a new person. I don't remember the full story, but imagine the 
the setup of replying to someone's DM and then getting yourself dressed and then getting into an Uber and going to the city center and meeting with someone and going through the awkward kind of getting to know them and this and that. Little bit less comfortable, but way more luck from that situation. Both firsthand luck in as much as you're getting to know somebody who could benefit your life and you could benefit theirs, but also secondhand luck, right? If you're just out and about in a city, in a bar, walking past people, speaking to your Uber driver, whatever it might be, more lucky. So all of this in mind has basically led me down the path of believing that at least for the rest of this year, a really uneventful year that it has so far been, right? I've just focused on work and that's fine. I may as well just double down on all of my outputs, output of content, output of sales, output of conversations, because doing so will make me seem luckier by the end of the year. And in a year where I don't really know what the kind of levers are going to have been, it has just been a year of getting my head down. A really great thing to have on my side would be luck, right? I'm probably going to publish, if everything goes to plan, between 35 and 40 YouTube videos between now and the end of the year. Now, the YouTube has been the slowest growing thing you can imagine. So slow. 500 subscribers in the best part of two years. Really fucking slow. However, we all know that it takes one video to make it pop, right? So rather than doing one a month, which was my original plan, back when I was in Dublin, 12 videos in a year, one a month. How about doing two a week, right? How about doing between eight and 10 per month? 10xing the luck, 10xing the chances of one video doing well and blowing up the channel. And it might not happen, but you know what? The time's going to pass anyway. I come back to this thing that I say all the time, the time is going to pass anyway. So why not pick the luckier option? And as I was writing the, the kind of thought process, for this, like 45 minutes ago, this was so recent. Jamie from the Zach and Jay show, who now does his own YouTube consulting, tweeted something literally like as I was reading Twitter and planning this. He said, Colin and Samir, the most reputable names on YouTube, met through Colin posting lacrosse videos. He'd get less than 1,000 views per video, but one of those viewers was Samir. As soon as you create content, you're already in the top 3% of people in that space. You never know who's watching. And I just thought, that's a crazy, crazy case study, right? That Colin and Samir, the guys who I believe have over a million subscribers on YouTube, they're like the YouTuber YouTubers. They do podcasts with creators and look at studios and stuff, right? They have a million subscribers, which means they probably have a business, a content business turning over hundreds of thousands of pounds a year. Now, when you realize that that exists because somebody created lacrosse videos that had basically no viewers, right? Somebody one day decided to film themselves playing lacrosse and post it on the internet and now they have a million subscribers you could say that's luck or you could say that he was creating that luck right and so that's it trying to be more lucky this year by dramatically increasing my output in everything i think is a summary of that point i apologize if that was disconnected milo has been barking a lot during this so i've had to stop recording about six times and stitch this together afterwards so if that made no sense i apologize you have a small polar bear looking dog to blame for that not making sense if it did make sense fantastic i'll take all the credit um not much else to tell you about this week to be honest it has been fun posting my day plans on instagram I think it it just kind of proves the point, not that I need to prove a point, but it proves the point of what I'm saying above, right? Of the thing I just said, which is that like, I'm really trying this year and I'll be trying next year and I'll be trying in 10 years. And I think it's important to show what it looks like to actually try, 
not to be like hustle porn and show off. Like there are going to be days, I promise you, there just haven't been any yet. There are going to be days where I do fuck all. And there are going to be days when I plan to do lots and post the plan and then have to put another post up eight hours later saying, didn't do anything, got nothing done, right? But I think it's important to just show the inner workings of, of what it takes to try and do something because nobody's speaking about this. And I've actually had a few DMs from people saying that already they really like this style of content as basic and as simple and as low effort as it is because it, it shows what it's like to try. And there are lots of people listening to this who will know exactly what it's like to try because you're doing the same. But there will also be lots of people who either think that trying to build something and create a life is simple or it looks like it does on Instagram or it looks like it does on a Stephen Bartlett vlog. And it doesn't, right? He has a big business and a big podcast and a big team and lots of resources. And so a day like his looks nothing like a day of somebody trying to build something from the ground upwards at this point here. So I just think it's useful to produce that kind of content and be honest about what it actually takes. And there are days where I do nothing and I don't post, like the weekend just gone. I didn't work, so I didn't post. And there are days when I do a lot and there's going to be some pushback from that, right? People are like, oh, you work too hard, which funnily enough, there's a story about that in a minute. But I just think it's important to show what it takes. And then the very final thing to update you on, this is going to be a short episode, so I apologize, is the book. So like I said earlier, made some more progress on the book over the weekend, added about another 2000 words, which is probably the first half of a second chapter. And I plan to, to finish it this weekend, that chapter. It's an interesting one. It's a difficult one to research because I know the point that I want to make, but trying to find appropriate anecdotes which back up that point, because it's not really a point that can be researched per se so it's hard to find kind of objective data we need anecdotes has been difficult uh, but there i was on sunday in cafe nero writing this chapter i had my earphones in listening to fred again having a good time typing away and uh, an old man he must have been about 80 give or take walked past and he said something didn't hear him so i took my earphone out i said sorry he said i hope you're not working too hard and I just needed to say something polite and like immediate, if that makes sense. I wasn't really thinking about what I said. So he said, I hope you're not working too hard. And I'm like, haha, there's no such thing. Obviously, I didn't mean anything by that. It was just like an immediate response. But his response to that was so profound, bearing in mind that, like, I mean, just doing the numbers, he's heading towards the end of his life. He's retired. He's done all the work that he's going to do. And he's also paid the price for that. He was like, trust me. There is such a thing as working too hard. And I just thought, fucking hell, <laughs> like an off the cuff comment of about six words was really, really significant. Like I've never had somebody who has been there and done it. I don't know his background. Like we spoke for about half an hour afterwards, but it wasn't about work, but he's lived life, right? And he's done all of the working hard and he knows the cost of it. And he knows perhaps what he missed or what he sacrificed or what he wishes he could go back and change. And it's so easy for me at 27 to be like, oh, I'm going like, to spend 20 minutes on this podcast talking about why I'm working so hard, like I just have. But I do think that it's important to find that balance, right? It's about minimizing regret. And that's something I think about a lot. Like I am very, very aware of the trade-offs in life that I have already had to make to try and do what I'm doing whether it was not being around when my dad was living at home years back when we were in those very early stages of building the business from that office in Cardiff, whether it is 
the fact that you know there are there are uh, romantic situations for want of a better word that i've had in the past that would have been far more maintainable and could have gone far further if i didn't live between two places 200 miles away from each other because of the location of the office like i've already had to pay prices for trying to do the thing and there will be more trade-offs in the future and so trying to minimize the regrets that i could possibly have at the end of it is something that's on my mind and you know everything is a choice everything has an opportunity cost right so i think although it sounded in the moment like i was disagreeing with that man by saying there's no such thing as working too hard a i agree with him and b it just felt really significant to hear that from somebody who has lived a life and knows for sure that there is such a thing as working too hard because he said that for a reason right he he didn't say it in like a cheery jovial way like he fucking meant it so it was a balancing act and i think that is everything i am going to have an absolute nightmare stitching this episode together in such a way that makes sense because you would not believe how much milo has been barking funnily enough he's barking again right now as i say this so i'm going to go and look after him in a minute however i think that's everything i'm off to london tomorrow and then the rest of this week is going to be fairly busy as in theory you would have already seen on instagram by the time this comes out and then on saturday i'm going to do a day out with my mum go for a long run and thinking i might push 15k i might try and do a very slow 15k because of that 5k circuit that i found in the north of corby that i told you about last week i'm not sure i'll let you know and then Sunday, going to do book day, work on the book for four or five hours in that same Cafe Nero before driving back to Wales. And then it'll be a new week and we go again. But in the meantime, hope you have a good week. Thank you as always for listening and I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 171 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 